0: Welcome to the Not A Mommy Yet podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Fay. I started the Not A Mommy Yet blog and this podcast because I've always known I want to be a parent one day, and you might be listening because you feel the same. You may have also heard people with kids say things like, I wish I had known this before I had kids, or I wish I had done that. Hearing those comments made me think about the parts of my life I want to spend more time focusing on before I have kids in ways that will benefit me as a parent. So I started a list of people who can teach me about health, money, relationships, psychology, and more, and started interviewing them, and this podcast was born. Whether you plan to have kids or not, I think you'll find something interesting in this podcast for you. I hope you enjoy, subscribe, and maybe even share it with a friend. Thank you so much for listening. Okay. Hi, Carrie. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm good. How are you?
0: Good. Thank you so much for being on the Not a Mommy Yet podcast. I'm so happy Thank to have you. Thank you for having me. Of Thank course. you for having me. Of course. Um, so, I would love to, I I, I wanted to talk to you, Jay, about Alliance of Moms, of course, and your experience um, being a mom yourself. Um, so, I thought you'd be a perfect person to talk to about all of this and Alliance of Moms. Uh, We'll go through it for everyone listening, but it's an organization I recently learned about, and it's based in LA, which is where I'm from, so I immediately was drawn to what the work that they're doing, and um, I'm just so excited to have Carrie here to talk about it. And um, so first, I would love to talk more about your life prior to joining Alliance of Moms. Um, You were raised by two public servants, and um, then you became a teacher uh, um, for the LAUSD, so what parts of your life I guess like your childhood teenage years and even young adulthood do you remember were like defining moments that kind of led you on this path of being a teacher and then eventually you know being drawn to this organization
1: of course yeah so my mom was a teacher for LAUSD for 30 some years mm-hmm. retired out of LAUSD and my dad was a firefighter for the LA City Fire Department um, And was the president of the union for numerous years as well. Mm -hmm. And so I was always, I always grew up and my mom was very involved with the union as well. So I always grew up in this idea of representing not just the people that you serve, but also your fellow man, if you will, and Mm -hmm. woman. Um, and I grew up like in a classroom during the summers when there wasn't anything to do. My mom would drag me to school and I would have to help her set up her classroom and get, get ready for the school year. Um, and then every holiday weekend that my dad was working at a fire station, um, we would spend with him. And so there was just a lot of always helping others Mm -hmm. and always being of service. Um, but then with the union, it was also, you know, making sure that, those who you work alongside are also represented and taken care of as well Um, and I think that those two, the combination of those two kind of drew me to Alliance of Moms Mm -hmm. now that I look back on my life Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely know that 9-11 was a very pivotal moment for me as far as going into public service myself, I was working in downtown LA for an architecture firm, just kind of doing a little bit of PR and also um, helping out as an assistant to some of the architects and 9-11 9-11 happened and obviously it was in New York and my dad is here in LA, but it just was this moment of, oh my God, if that had happened in LA, my mm-hmm. dad would for sure have been in one of those buildings helping and mm-hmm. would never have even thought twice about his own safety. Mm-hmm. And there was just this pride around knowing that my family just always was there to take care and protect the safety of others. And so I think Looking back at Alliance, at how I got to Alliance Moms, I'm pretty sure that, that all those life experiences led me uh, to where I am today. But, of course, you don't know while you're on that path that that's where you're going.
0: Right, of course. <laughs> that's that's a, such a great story. Um, and so when, when did you become a teacher for LAUSD and all of that?
1: So I became a teacher for LAUSD shortly after 9-11. I went back to school and okay. got my master's and my okay. teaching credential. Um, got it. And ended up working at a school that I actually went to school that where I went to junior high um in San Pedro and it was such an eye opening experience because I had grown up really fortunate to be in the gifted program and the honors program mm-hmm. and all those fancy names for accelerated classes. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, even going through school you don't even really realize that those are the kind of things you're in when you're a kid. You're just friends with people who you're friends with and exactly. they might not be in your classes. Um, And when I went back to teach there, my eyes were opened so wide to the despair, like how many people just differed in wealth, especially in San Pedro. It's such a melting pot and how diverse San Pedro is as well um, that I ended up working for my first four years with kind of the general ed population. And that was a population that was probably the most hit by poverty. Mm -hmm. um, And I spent the most time taking care of kids and wearing numerous hats I would do laundry and I would feed them and I would follow up with them and make sure that you know they they were having issues with other students and that they were able to resolve them Um, and I really realized quickly that like the basic education was just like the very bare bones of my job description and taking care of these kids was actually what I was there to do. Um, oh, wow. but I was young. I was only 24, 25 at the time and didn't have a child. I, you know, was not in a serious relationship and I was living in Hermosa beach, like enjoying the beach life. So I was in no place to really appreciate that. It was just, I did it because that's what I needed to do to help mm-hmm. these kids. Um, so that was my experience with LA USD and for all of its faults, there are so many teachers who are doing that day in and day out for the district. Um, yeah a job that's bigger than just teaching the curriculum.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I went to public school until I was 12. And um, like you said, you know, when I sixth grade middle school and stuff is when I joined the magnet program at my public middle school. And um, you never think about like friends in different classes, like none of that, like to me, all I understood. And I think this was even later was just that the magnet program Allowed kids from um, zip codes outside of the district to be at that school. Mm-hmm. And is that I don't even know if that's right. <laughs> but that was I like the, you the to extent. Apply, but yeah. OK, yeah. So that was the extent to my understanding of what that was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think growing up and going to public schools, I've always really appreciated that because private schools, especially in LA, aren't that diverse. And, um, I think they're starting to be more and more diverse, which is awesome. But, um, I grew up with an extremely diverse group of friends who, who, you know, some of which whom I'm still in contact with. And I love, loved that I had that, that upbringing, um, just learning about people who weren't exactly like myself. Like, I think that that's the best thing for kids when they're growing up. And, um, So did you ever have kids that you were working with who were in foster care?
1: Um, None specifically that I knew of that were in foster care. There's a good possibility that some of them were, and I didn't – I mean, I had for – My first four years, I had three groups that I would see every day, and those groups each had 35 in them, 35 students, So, and that number would change, that would fluctuate throughout the year, but so I had quite a few students, and Mm -hmm. then my final year of teaching, I taught the kind of elevated English group, and I had five groups of about 30. So I saw a lot of kids (laughs) while I was teaching, and obviously, you get to know most of them pretty well, but of course there's parts of their lives that you don't know at all um, unless they share it with you. So I wasn't ever that I know of in contact with children in foster care, but, or families for that matter, who were fostering, but I certainly, you know, now looking back in life, I, so many parents who are living in poverty and Mm -hmm. trying to provide their children with as much as they can, you Mm -hmm. know, that's a lot of A lot of kids who end up in foster care come from parents who, you know, for a series of unfortunate events, ended up in the situation they're in. And I just always remember thinking like, you know, these it's a hard job. It's a really hard job to be a parent. But then when you're also struggling with how you're going to pay your rent and how you're going to provide food for your family and Mm -hmm. how many jobs you can take on at one time, um, you know, that's not just a circumstance of families who end up dealing with foster care. Mm -hmm. That's a circumstance of a large population, especially here in Los Angeles, as we look at the issues with homelessness.
0: Right. Um, And I'm realizing to some listeners who don't, since we haven't really got into what Alliance of Moms is... Uh, they work with children in foster care, so that was the relation to that question. Um,
1: we, work with, we work with young women and men who are in foster care who mm-hmm. find themselves pregnant or parenting, right. um, so they maybe have been in foster care since they were infants or were taken into foster care later on in life, but um, they're without that traditional support system that like you and I possibly have um, mm-hmm. when they come to being parents, so we try to provide them um, with workshops to help support them.
0: Right. Amazing. So you got involved with them, um, this year, correct? Mm-hmm. I did. At
1: the beginning of the year, I was hired as director of the Alliance
0: House. Amazing. And, um, so take us through kind of, yeah, like you kind of gave us a brief overview of what you guys do, but, um, I'd love to know, like, just talk about like, what are the, some the goals of the organization and some of the programming that you see?
1: Of course, of course. So the goal, the major goal of the organization, which is kind of an elevated one when you think about what foster care really is, especially here in Los Angeles, um, but the goal is to stop the cycle of foster care, um, stop the cycle of families feeling like they can't care for their children. So basically by offering parenting workshops and different other like not educational, but parenting workshops that these, um, young men and women are able to attend. Like what we're hoping is that they walk away with tools to be successful parents as well. Um, so that they don't have their children detained from them, um, in the foster care system. So what happens is when a child is taken into foster care, they become basically, you know, the ward of or the state becomes their caretaker, if you will, or the county becomes their caretaker. And, um, hopefully they get placed with a family member or someone who's really close to the family so they can kind of stay in that culture of the family but oftentimes that's not necessarily that's not necessarily the case and there isn't someone to take the child so they oftentimes are moved around numerous times to Mm -hmm. different places to different caretakers and without having that like really stable home or that really, um, stable mentor or caretaker, if you will. Um, obviously that comes with a lot of trauma that you can endure and a lot of feeling of instability and not knowing where you're going to end up and kind of this like fight or flight feeling. Um, and so what we want to be able to do is offer workshops that kind of alleviate some of that stress of being a parent because there's so much stress and trauma that they might be dealing with, Mm -hmm. um, as children from foster care.
0: So I think that's amazing. I mean, just hearing even just a small part about what you guys do, it sounds like you're helping so many people that really are in a place where they could use that support. I mean, I think mentors in general kind of in any part of your life are really important um, no matter who you are. But obviously going through something as big as becoming a parent um, definitely where it has so many challenges um, in addition to just their living situation. It's it's incredible what you guys do. Um, so I
1: Well, we're, we're part of a bigger organization, too, called the Alliance for Children's Rights. And the Alliance for Children, we work with a very obviously specialized population in foster care. Not all children end up becoming parents um, foster in, while they're in foster care, but um, the Alliance for Children's Rights touches children here in L.A. County who are in the foster care system who might experience many different difficulties dealing with the foster care system, whether it comes to education or mental health or physical health, um, housing. So we help, the Alliance for Children's Rights helps children who are just affected by foster care in general and guardians who are looking to adopt. So we work with a very specialized population, but the Alliance for Children's Rights works with children in all aspects of foster care.
0: Got it. Okay. So you guys kind of sprouted off from that. Is that what the founders, were they originally involved with the Um, Alliance of Children's Rights?
1: Yeah, so the Alliance for Children's Rights has existed for a while. um, And one of our founders, Yasmin Johnson, was involved with the board for the Alliance for Children's Rights and realized once she had her own children that there was this population that she just felt drawn to, to, as a parent, help. Just, you kind of just have this like parenting bug where you just want to like take care of people who need to be taken care of yeah but then also she also realized and along with her five friends who were there four friends who became the founders that the peer-to-peer support system when you're a, a young parent trying to figure out how to parent for the first time that that is like so crucial you mm-hmm. have to have that support system and whether that be a family member or a group of girlfriends or you go to a mommy and me group and meet some women that you didn't know before um just having that peer-to-peer group is like your sanity when you're a new
0: parent yeah i totally see that i mean also just knowing you know they don't they might not know all the questions to ask right so having someone who's been through it and knows what to share before like someone like myself who would be new to it right would even think to ask those questions or to inquire because
1: totally. um, all of us who are moms have all not been moms before <laughs> yeah. and we all you know and as a mom sometimes I have to catch myself talking to my girlfriends who have children that are younger than mine to not lecture them right like mm-hmm. to just give them some pointers and if they ask for help you know to give them a few ideas mm-hmm. um, but it's a journey that everyone takes It's super individualized but just to know you have someone to ask or to talk to and who can help is, is key to mm-hmm. success Yep, insanity for that matter.
0: <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um so your flagship program raising babies. Um I mean it seems like i th- something everybody I think should take, but um how was do you like do you know much about how that program was originally developed? Um and also how did you guys work with people to develop that program so it would specifically cater to the needs of of women living in foster care?
1: Of course, of course. So it, Raising Baby has evolved over numerous years. And the founders, I think, started with it being just kind of a small idea. Mm-hmm. And it blossomed into this huge idea because there was such a necessity for it. So mm-hmm. I think they went from like a very small group that they anticipated 25 youth mm-hmm. to something like 60 and 70. And that, that was just way too big. Um, but essentially, now what it is, it's about 50 youth who are in foster care who are pregnant or parenting, and they can bring their children to the event. We offer child care, and we have different specialists who lead workshops that might be applicable to how old their children are. So, for instance, we do um, a kind of like a talking to your child Engaging with your child, reading to your child—a workshop on how important that is and how to do it in ways that are um, authentic to you, being a parent. Because if you're not a, you know, you're not a reader or you're not a singer for that matter, it's mm-hmm. there's other ways to engage with your child so they hear you talking and voicing and acknowledging that. Um, so we have a workshop, usually something around that kind of subject matter, and then a sleep um, specialist comes in and she leads different. Especially for different age groups, because newborn sleep looks a lot different than two-year-old sleep. Mm-hmm. So, how you can kind of set up uh, sleep routines and sleep patterns to help the child develop and help their brain grow. You know, and so many studies show that without the right amount of sleep, um, you know, a baby's brain isn't going to grow as quickly as as their counterparts that are getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. And all of the workshops are based. I should start by saying that all of the workshops are based around early brain development and different experts who can provide information around early brain development, um, because the research is just so, um, strong to engaging with the baby at a young age and making sure that they have a healthy routine, um, Mm -hmm. and how that plays out later in life. So raising baby has evolved quite a bit, but it was always the backbone of raising baby has always been bringing in experts who understand their field and who, um, who knows so much about early brain development and understand how important that is and how to engage a child developmentally appropriate ways um, to, to engage your child, to help set them up for success.
0: Yeah. I mean, I took child development. I was a psych major in college and I took child development and it was always you were. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, And I was just shocked by how much happens in like the first three years of the baby's life. And, and I had a long, like a few years ago, I wanted to start, um, like a hybrid nonprofit educating women about this specifically and, and also about like our bodies as, as women and mothers and things. But, um, but just learning about child development, because especially, um, people who aren't getting that education in school, um, it's just so important to know how to engage your baby and what to be looking for. I mean, I've seen parents talk to their kids as if they're 40 year old, like they're talking to a 40 year old. It's like your child cannot comprehend that. And the parent gets frustrated and it's like, it's not that your kid doesn't want to listen or understand. It's that they actually can't. So just, I think understanding child development is, is so crucial. And when you're a new parent or when you plan to have kids, I think it's so important. For Um, Sure. And
1: for anyone who wants more information, all you have to do is kind of look up that first thousand days is what they call it. mm -hmm. And it's give or take your first three years. But you're right. It's those first three years are pivotal. And I always think about like, did my parents do everything they could? (laughs) Did they give me the best chance? But, you know, it's, it's making sure that that's authentic for you as a parent, too. Because Um, you know, if you're trying to do something that is totally not you, it's great to stretch, um, stretch yourself but it's also you have to be true to like what you're really great at and what you might not be so great at and right. kind of figuring out a way to balance those things.
0: Yeah. Um and it sounds like the raising foodies too the other program we'll talk about. Um it sounds like you guys are definitely developing these these programs with their needs in mind and making them accessible so anything that you tell them they can do anything that you teach them, I mean, at the program, they can go home and actually feasibly do it. Um, They can afford it. They can execute it. They can do it all on their own once they leave the program, which I think is awesome. Um, For
1: sure. One of our major sponsors for Raising Baby who has sponsored us the last few years and it's just been so important to us and just kind of follows our basic mission um, is the Cuddle Bright. Group And it starts with um, the Sims Man Foundation, but they've created a toy that's like a transition toy so that when mommy and baby or daddy and baby, caretaker and baby are, are separated for the day, whether that be going to work or going to school or wherever they may be going, that um, it's kind of this like lovey that you get to hold on to in a routine that you can do um, that also helps with that. So even the sponsors that we bring on um, and the partners we work with are all bought on to how important early brain development is.
0: Yeah. I think that's great that you're bringing on partners like that who understand your goals. Cause I mean, working for a variety of startups, there's nothing worse than partnering with a company that makes big promises or sounds really amazing on paper, but then in reality, it just doesn't work yeah, with so your worse. goals. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. that's great that you guys are finding those partners that understand your the alliance of moms and what they're trying to do. Um, yeah. So then, raising foodies. Let's talk about that. Um, oh my gosh,
1: it's, we had it last night. And it's
0: oh really? How and was it?
1: Program. It was awesome. It's so great. So we run it right now through um, the group home that's here in Los Angeles. It's in Silver Lake, called um, Raising Foodies. It's called St. Anne's. <laughs> uh-huh. um, it's right up the street from my office, and. Um, St. Anne's has a residential program for um, young women who most of them have been in foster care or have experienced chronic homelessness, um, or both for that matter. And generally, what we find with chronic homelessness children who have experienced chronic homelessness as they somehow have probably experienced foster care as well mm-hmm. um, not always but usually so anyway St. Anne's will take in young women who are in foster care or chronically homeless and they have a residential area and all of these women are parenting at some point in their life so um, they have a group that is about 13 to 18 13 to 17 who are all youth who have been in foster care or who have been chronically homeless who are also parenting so that's very young but they yeah that group very supported and they offer them many services to help them and then they have what they call the transition housing program and transition age youth in foster care is from 18 to 21 and it's the idea that you have these years to help you transition out of foster care and to build the skills necessary in which to go out on your own because 18 is a little young to be out in the streets on your own. So um, St. Anne's has this program. And so what we get to do at Raising Foodies is is come to St. Anne's. They have an industrial kitchen. We bring in a celebrity chef of some sort or a a chef here in Los Angeles. that's pretty well known right now. We work uh, with Chef Courtney, who's at John and Minnie's and they, we have six or seven of the girls who are living at St. Anne's come and we offer childcare for the evening. And these young women work with Chef Courtney and Chef Courtney teaches them different easy recipes that they can cook that use seasonal ingredients, fresh ingredients. Um, she talks a lot about like you can go and get frozen; it's totally fine. You know, like yeah. they all these girls are living off of, or all these young women are living off of EBT, which is mm-hmm. food stamps. So she talks a lot about how to how to access really great nutrition on a very limited budget, okay. and how to make that last. So. Last night we had, it was kind of like a winter vegetable focus and there was a butternut squash soup and there were roasted vegetables and it was really, it was really delicious. I I did childcare last night, so I wasn't in the cooking class. So I, I got to have a little bit of the soup and it was amazing. Um, and then after the meal, after the cooking, um, we have six or seven Alliance of Moms members who come as well and sit with the young women while they eat and kind of have this informal dinner party and just nice. talk about, you know, easy ways, inexpensive ways, accessible ways that we have found to cook for our own children and kind of also that that support system for, oh my gosh, your child doesn't like leafy greens. My child doesn't like leafy greens either mm-hmm. so that these young parents feel as though there's not something wrong with them or something wrong with their child that there's other parents experiencing just exactly what they're experiencing. And I think knowing that you're not alone is so empowering, right? Because once you realize that you're not doing something wrong, you're on the path to trying to figure out what to change and how to make it work for you and how to, what to do right. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was really wonderful. And the moms always walk in with their kids and they're a little apprehensive about leaving their children with strangers that they don't know. And, um, you know, and then they're in this room in this kitchen, this industrial kitchen, which is kind of intimidating Mm and, you know, trying to cook a meal with this chef who's at this really amazing restaurant. And they start off, you can see in their eyes, just feeling intimidated. And then by the end of the night, they walked into childcare and they're relaxed and they're laughing and they just, you can see this like fear has like left them and they just feel totally comfortable. And it's the way they interact with their children afterwards too is so different. And it's just, it's such a wonderful experience and a wonderful night. Um, it's one of, I, I love it. I would go every week if I had to, <laughs> if I had to, I would want to. <laughs> it's so great.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the message with the- or I'm hoping to send with my blog and this podcast is that just like having that preparation and that sense of knowledge in terms of like what to expect and how to, how to like address certain issues and just everything that you guys are teaching these young mothers. I totally believe that the fear like goes away by the end of each workshop or program that you guys offer them, because it's, it's that, you know, knowledge is power feeling, right? Like they can have confidence to go forth and be great parents and, and know what to do and not feel so kind of lost and confused, which I think like any parent could definitely feel um, in any situation. So that's awesome. I love, I love that program. That's so great. Like food to me is of course, child development, health, and all of that is, is up there, but food and like what you do on a daily basis and all of those things that, are presented to you every single day is, is so great that they're learning about that.
1: Yeah. And Katira who Katira and Jen are members of Alliance of Moms who run the Raising Foodies program. And there's a video of Katira on our website talking just about what food did for her as a young child. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was an immigrant, and she lived in Oakland in kind of a rougher area. And what, what food was able to provide her, it was able to provide her this comfort mm-hmm. um, and this opportunity to really bond with people and to provide something that they enjoyed and that she could enjoy. And just that I don't have that experience with food, I'm probably because my, my mom was always working, so we were always eating out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she was just, she has this beautiful story about her, um, how she grew as a woman cooking and what that provided her in her life. And I just always find that to be such an inspirational story as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love what you guys do with your member involvement. I think there's a lot of nonprofits out there who, and like more power to them. They know what they're doing. They don't need, they just need the funding, right? Um, like, especially those really big nonprofits um that have people on the ground all over but I love that you guys have your members involved in these events planning these events taking care of the kids like really like getting to know these women um and I just I love that aspect about about Alliance of Moms um yeah
1: and we have some members who come to literally every event they possibly can yeah. come to because they just wanna be involved and they are amazing and they if they listen to this podcast will know exactly who they are. <laughs> um but hey then we have members who just donate financially and they don't wanna feel comfortable um being with the youth or being with children. Maybe their children are a little bit older or maybe they Maybe they aren't moms and they just kind of feel like they want to be involved, but they're not really confident yet that they can be involved on that peer-to-peer model. Yeah. Um, And they're amazing as well. So there's no expectation to the volunteer aspect of Alliance of Moms. It's just something that we find so many women. It's kind of a movement, I think, now with women supporting each other and Mm -hmm. um, wanting to be involved. And that looks different for every individual.
0: Definitely. Completely agree. Um, But you guys do have some members who are mentors. Yes. So yes. we have
1: a mentoring program that we run with imagine LA, imagine LA is here in Los Angeles. and They are in the mentoring business. So they have a full 18 month curriculum, mentoring curriculum that they go through. Um, they train the mentors, they, uh, oversee the mentors, um, and they provide them any support that they may need with their mentees. Um, and we have members who have signed up to become mentors and are currently mentoring. Um, but that also is a massive commitment. I mean, that's an 18-month commitment. So you have to know, thinking ahead, that you probably aren't going to want to get pregnant or have another child. You are probably not going to be changing careers or moving. Um, so it's, like I said, there's there's different levels mm-hmm. in which to be involved with in Alliance of Months. And the women who have chosen to be mentors, I really look up to them with such admiration because they have dedicated 18 months of their life to do it. Um, and they're... Really enjoying it, so it's it's a really nice way to give back if you have the time.
0: Um, are there mentors that who, who aren't mothers?
1: You know, I think now we only have mentors who are mothers, uh, members of Alliance of Moms who are mothers i could be totally wrong on that but i'm pretty sure they're just mothers but that's not to say through imagine la they have so many mentors and they have tons of mentors that aren't mothers Mm -hmm. um so it's not that you have to be a mother to be a mentor by any means i just think currently right now we are looking at mentors that are only mothers but no there's no requirement
0: got it okay cool um so all of that to say i'd love to talk about your experience as a mother um Uh We kind of touched on this when we had first met, um, and you let me know that your pregnancy wasn't necessarily planned with your husband, but you know, that can, that, I feel like that happens to a lot of people. And, um, but in my opinion, like I always like, especially with this blog, even I clearly think I have time to prepare and, and, um, to get my body ready, but also just like my life ready. <laughs> um but for you, since it, that you'll was never
1: be ready. Really. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm realizing that more and more. <laughs> I really have no idea what's gonna happen. But um
1: there's something to like Wanting to be a mom, which I think is, you know, being a parent is not for everybody, but, you know, there's wanting to be a parent and getting yourself like you're doing, especially with your podcast and offering it to your subscribers, like preparing them for what is to come. But I think what happens is like the more expectation we put on being parents, and actually life is teaching us to like not put any expectation on it. That's what I learned from being a parent. Like yeah. every time I was like, Oh, this is gonna go this way, I have been life has like smacked me across the face and then like, Nope. <laughs> <Think> yeah. <again.
0: laughs> I know. The number of times I've sat down and like put in way too much time into to fantasizing this five-year plan literally the next day everything goes awry to make the entire plan worthless (laughs) 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 I think
1: life is just a you know I'm very I'm a pretty spiritual person and I just believe that like the universe is always constantly teaching us mm -hmm. to like be open and to not get ourselves locked into any one thing because there's so many different opportunities that come our way that if we have our focus on one thing we're gonna miss all these other amazing opportunities. So you're going to be a mom and you're going to be incredible. It just probably won't look like exactly like your five-year plan. And if it does, (laughs) amazing. Oh, oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) I don't have a five-year plan anymore. I feel like in the past just three years alone since moving to New York, so many things have happened I could have never planned for. And also it's always something that's like beyond your wildest dreams, I feel like, where you couldn't have even planned it because it was so beyond any expectation of something that was ever going to be possible
1: oh my god totally my life is that is a perfect way to explain it like the way it turned out there is no way I could have ever conceived it turning out the way it did I'm so happy it did but it was not at all like even on my radar like there was not (laughs) one piece of it that was in my story
0: (laughs) (laughs) well I love that that's amazing but um so when it came when you became pregnant you found out you were pregnant what did you do in that like short nine months to kind of like get ready for that since you weren't necessarily planning for it.
1: Well, don't let anyone fool you into thinking pregnancy is nine months. It's really almost closer to 10. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so I have realized it's like that. like
1: 10 weeks, 10 months. Um, but the crazy thing is that I will just give you a little background. I, my husband now, he was my boyfriend at the time, or I guess he was my fiance at the time. Um, we wanted to have kids, we had no plan to get pregnant anytime soon. I was in the middle of planning my beautiful wedding in Mexico and I was just so thrilled and dieting and finding the right dress. And I was with girlfriends um, at Coachella and I just woke up Saturday morning and was like, Oh, I do not feel good. And then I started to think back of like, when did I have my last period? And I couldn't remember. And it was this moment where I was like, Oh, oh oh yeah and I had been traveling a ton in that time so in my mind I guess I had just like lost track of time and not really thought about it and I took a pregnancy test at the house that we were staying at the day Saturday day of Coachella and it came out positive and I was like oh boy (laughs) this is not how I expected this weekend to go Um, so you know it was I was thrilled but I was Shocked, and I think I, you know, not even I think I know. I was older, and I was thirty six at that point, and I had seen so many of my girlfriends go through IVF mm-hmm. and having difficulties getting pregnant. And I remember just thinking, like, oh, I'm sure we're going to have to go down that route. Like, I hope it's not difficult, but that's I'm just sure that that's what's going to have to happen. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we got pregnant so easily was. A huge, obviously, shock because I wasn't expecting it, but also this, like, oh, boy, like, we aren't going to have to do that, and we are so lucky because that road for IVF and infertility is is hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard, and, um, you know, we kind of talked about it before that if – and this is not the question you asked at all – But, um, you know, as I look back on life, there's some things I would have done differently. I would have probably saved my eggs and I probably would have thought that through a little bit Mm -hmm. better um, because you just don't know what 35, 36 is going to look like. But what I did to prepare, uh, that was a tangent, what I did to prepare (laughs) to get pregnant was um, I had a lot of girlfriends who were pregnant at the same time or had just had their children. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a lot of time with them obviously when you're pregnant and everyone's out having a grand old time at a bar, (laughs) you're kind of looking for anyone to sit with that isn't drinking. Um, (laughs) So I spent quite a bit of time with them. Um, I was pretty fit. I worked out every day, if not twice a day. Um, I was determined to not gain a ton of weight and I still gained 50 pounds. So when people tell you that
0: you're
1: not going to gain weight when you, you know, yeah, did all these different tricks into not gaining weight it's I believe super genetic and you really have no control over it at the end of the day Yeah. Um, but I ate super well I um, you know I read up as much as I could without like getting way down a rabbit hole in books um, to try and prepare and understand and I really just enjoyed the time mm-hmm. um, I didn't love watching my body gain 50 pounds but I certainly loved the feeling of when I could feel my daughter like Moving around inside of me it was just it was a super cool experience mm-hmm. um, but the physicality part of getting pregnant and being pregnant was not thrilling to me at all people yeah. love it but I I did not love it that much
0: <laughs> yeah I think yeah the book thing too just reading this is kind of why I also wanted to do this podcast and my blog is because I don't like reading I've never really been like a fast reader and it's just not my medium. I think I, I like to listen to things or, or um, yeah. talk to people about it. So um, yeah, I think that's great that you had people to kind of rely on that were in that same um, vein, like in that same part of their lives. That's so, that's so nice. Like my dream is like all my friends and I will kind of have babies around the same age when that time <laughs> comes. Cause I would love to go through that together with people that I've like known forever, but also just feel comfortable with
1: totally well I think also being an older parent you know they after 35 they call you geriatric which is probably the biggest insult any doctor can give you but Mm -hmm. to be that older 36 year old mother so many of my girlfriends had had kids in their 20s and early 30s so I had watched all of them have children and I didn't know it at the time but I had been taking in tidbits of everything they did that really worked really well and things where I was like ooh I don't think I want to do that um there were very few of the, I don't think I want to do that, and a lot of the soak it all in as much as you can. But something about that, like, 40-week period while you're pregnant, I was recalled quite a bit of those moments of things that I really loved about watching my friends be parents and what mm-hmm. they did, and that I wanted to offer that for my daughter as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so... Did you join... Um, were you already... Par- oh, no. You joined Alliance of Moms this year. Obviously, your daughter was already born. <laughs> um, um, so, as a mom, like, now working for an organization that helps other mothers, what have you taken from your personal experience into that experience? Um, I think I've taken is
1: an ability to listen and to not pass judgment at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... Being a mom, like I said, it's not an easy job. It will be the hardest job you'll ever have. I'm sure I'm not the first person to say that. Mm-hmm. It'll obviously be, like, the most rewarding, mm-hmm. but it's hard. And having that ability to really listen to another mother and listen to her talk about, like, ugh, this is not working or I'm having so many struggles with this. Mm-hmm. And just letting them kind of talk through it um, before I jumped in with Oh my gosh, you should try this and this and this and this and this. Like there's something about that listening piece and letting and not passing any expectation on a on a mob. Um, I think I told you that story that at a raising foodies I sat next to a young woman whose son, I had seen his I seen her son in childcare earlier in the evening and he had a full mouth of teeth, but I wanna say he was like ten months old. He was really young. And we were talking about, you know, do you feed him solids yet? And she said no, but I think he's probably ready because I gave him a hot Cheeto the other day and he ate it. And, you know, the first thought in my mind was like, Oh my God, you gave him a hot Cheeto? Like, ugh. but I stopped myself and just listened to her. And, you know, she was 19 and she'd been in foster care for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I just had this moment that like washed over me by staying silent and listening to her. Of this girl's doing the best she can. Right. And, you know, that's, she's 19, there's no judgment on that, um, and all you need to do is, like, not pass judgment and offer her an alternative. Right. So I said to her, like, oh, well, then, you know, he's probably ready for for some solids, like, have you thought about trying a Cheerio? And she looked at me, and she was like, oh my gosh, no, I I never thought of Cheerios. And I was like, yeah, I mean, they dissolve a little bit better than the Cheetos, and, like, they're tinier, and you can kind of make sure they don't choke. And Because I didn't, like, pass any judgment on the Cheetos or feel like I needed to say anything about it, but I provided her an alternative to it, um, she was really receptive to hearing it and taking the option. So, you know, I don't know if she ever fed him the Cheerios or not, but it's that feeling of, you know, she's doing the best she can, and here's an alternative that might work as well, and there's no judgment either way.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that's the best way to approach any conversation with someone where you don't really know kind of what their life is like on a day-to-day, but you are having this conversation, you are connecting in that moment um, and you're able to offer them, you know, advice or, but in, in that, I think the way that you did that is such a, like so perfect and so good to just, for people listening and for myself to know, when we're talking to really anyone about anything. I think it's really good to just listen.
1: how I normally communicate. I'd say that's probably not (laughs) so much easier to say that you're going to do that. But I just had this moment with her that reminded me of, like, oh, shut your mouth, let her talk.
0: Like, she's
1: doing her thing. Um, And, yeah, I can probably use a little dose of my own advice every single day. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: So... That's amazing. I just wanted to ask you the last few questions um, that I ask everyone. Um, But first, are there any, like, main takeaways you've learned from the young mothers, having worked with them um, for the past few months since you've joined Alliance of Moms? Yeah, I mean, they are a resilient bunch.
1: Some -hmm. of them, their stories are horrific. Mm -hmm. Some of them, their stories are just, like I said, a series of unfortunate events, Mm -hmm. and what unifies all of them is that they want to be really good moms and they want to give this life to their child Mm -hmm. and when I say moms there's also we also have dads that we work with too but generally we work with more women but um they just want to they want to do good by their own children and that is such an inspiration and something that I think we always focus on at Alliance of Moms is making sure that we're supporting that
0: yeah I think that's that's great um cool so in our last little round of questions um that I'm asking everyone the first one is what mantra or words do you like to live by
1: I always live by um you have everything you need right here right now Mm -hmm. um it seems like when I am the most stressed out Mm -hmm. or the most upset like knowing that I have literally everything I need Mm -hmm. to survive um and all the rest of it is like fluff that if I can just keep going back to those basics, like I have breath, I have blood flow, I have you know a cup of water next to me, like I really do have everything I need at mm-hmm. all times, and mm-hmm. the rest of it can be dealt with.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that's that's a good one for sure. It's just to recognize like what you have versus what you need um, and what you want, um, and just because I, I read this like quote somewhere that was like some the things that you want other or the things that you have other people are praying for. And it just reminds you to yeah. always be really hyper aware of, like our surroundings and. Um, right. Yeah. That's a good one too, for sure. Um, and then we all know it takes a village to raise kids. What do you most value in your community of friends or family that are helping you, who are helping you raise your daughter?
1: Um, humor. That's,
0: I think, the <laughs> That's such a good one. That gets us through
1: it. Yeah. Um, when. We have mamas who are not pregnant, like a good glass of wine and just like a moment to breathe together um, and like take a breath and just enjoy spending time together. And then um, I think just knowing that there's many ways to get to the solution and you just have to find the one that works the best for you. So Mm -hmm. what might work for one friend isn't necessarily going to work for another friend and just always knowing that there's numerous ways to get to the end point and the mm-hmm. goal that, um, that you know, you have to be true to yourself. And that's, I think that's what my community of friends offers me is different options. Mm-hmm.
0: I love humor, though, too. Like, you're the first person that has said that, actually, <laughs> I think. Oh,
1: my God. If you can't laugh at yourself or yeah. at your children, like,
0: you're going to have a rough time. <laughs> so true. Um, and then what quality do you most admire and hope to instill in your daughter? Or maybe she's already, like, kind of exhibiting this, this quality. Oh,
1: she's a wild child, that one. <laughs> she just, I think, the sense of adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that she can really do anything um we we try as much as we can to like not use gender stereotypes Mm -hmm. um when we talk about firefighters we don't talk about firemen we Mm -hmm. talk about firefighters and you know i know it seems silly those little tiny changes but when you start to really focus on making sure that your child knows that nothing is out of access to them Mm -hmm. um that it changes the way you talk and it changes the way you act Um, but just keeping that adventurous wild side in her sometimes Mm -hmm. it drives me absolutely insane but Mm -hmm. you know keeping her happy and adventurous and enjoying life and thinking that she can do anything she wants because she's she's my daughter so of course she can do anything she
0: wants (laughs) I love that, that's so great I think definitely like I've talked to a mother of boys and I think mother of girls it's just And I'm one of three girls. So it's always interesting to hear about those differences, having not grown up in a house with any brothers. Um, Just like the way parents choose to talk about the other gender, especially when they're not present, but obviously even more so when both genders are present. Um, I do think it's really important. I don't think it's silly at all the way that you guys have decided to go about it, Um, because you even see it from the very beginning, right? With the pink bedrooms and the blue bedrooms. It's like...
1: yeah. it's It's hard. I will say you try to avoid pink as much as you can. And somehow you end up gravitating towards it. Yeah. But you know, I think your generation and I hate to use the word millennial because I'm sure you're sick and tired of it. But (laughs) there is something about the next generation that's very open to not stereotyping on gender. Mm -hmm. And I used to think it was just kind of this like bizarre way of talking. But I now realize that like, when we call our daughters, good girls, Mm -hmm. we're kind of doing this thing to them that's not necessarily beneficial and if you're a good girl because you did something right um doesn't mean you're good or bad you know and just being being really open and I think that the millennial generation and the next generation after is going to just be so different to that type sort of stuff so not to sound like I'm some old hag but (laughs) it's definitely it's definitely a trait I'm trying to I'm trying to work with my own daughter
0: nice that's awesome though to hear um And then, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you you being on the podcast. I will have everything in the podcast notes of where people can find Alliance of Moms. But if you wanted to share a little bit about, like, your website or, like, ways people can get involved with Alliance of Moms, I would love for you to do that.
1: Of course. So um, our website is allianceofmoms.org, and our Insta handle is at Alliance of Moms. And the ways to get involved, our volunteer opportunities are open to members only, um, just a way of us to kind of help regulate who we have involved with our different um our different programs so to become a member um you can join at 25 50 or 100 dollars a month and so 25 is obviously the most popular but um we have women it's based on really what you feel like giving um and then we sent out a weekly newsletter and any updates on things that are going on in our community um and ways to get involved and because we're a part of this really amazing bigger organization called the alliance for children's rights we um provide opportunities through their through this organization as well um but becoming a member is the easiest way to get involved um we always take donations because that's how we fund our programs but um you can also follow us on alliance moms um instagram and see what else we're up to amazing Thank you so much for considering us and having us. I'm so appreciative.
0: Of course. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. I'm so excited um, to get more involved with you guys, especially once I'm back in L.A. eventually. Um, (laughs) So thank you again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Carrie. Have a great rest of your day. Um, Thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. Of course.
1: Thank you.
0: Bye. Bye.